Hello everyone, and welcome to this first inaugural episode of Infinity and Beyond. On today's episode, we have news, thoughts on the new Genie and Lightning Lane services recently implemented at Walt Disney World, an interview, a TV show review, and at the end, a Disney theory. I hope you enjoy today's episode, and I invite you to join us as we go where very few have gone before, to infinity and beyond. Hello everyone and welcome again to this first episode of Infinity and Beyond. This is the news portion of today's episode and since this is the first one, I the news is kind of packed because I wasn't sure what to include. But regardless, first up is Disney Studios and Pixar news. Disney and Pixar's new film Turning Red is now released on Disney+. Plus. I've not personally watched it yet, but I've heard great things and I'll be sitting down to watch it soon. Disney and Pixar's Lightyear is soon coming up on the movie pipeline. The film is the backstory of Buzz Lightyear from the Toy Story franchise. The film's core plot is not fully known, but it's either the story of a real astronaut in the Pixar Toy Story canon, or it is the film the immensely popular Buzz Lightyear action figure was based on, also in the Pixar Toy Story canon. <coughs> the voice talents of Chris Evans, Taika Waititi, and Kiki Palmer have taken on the roles of the Space Ranger himself, a new character called Morrison, and another named Izzy. The film will be falling with style into theaters June 17, 2022. Disney's Encanto is still taking the world by storm, and we don't talk about Bruno is still dominating our ears. For over a month-long period, the Limo Mom Miranda song was on top of the Billboard charts, and since then it hasn't decreased very far down the list, being that it is still in the top five songs worldwide. We Don't Talk About Bruno is the first song from a Disney animated film to reach the top of the charts since the 1990s. Lin-Manuel Miranda is a genius at his art, and I see much more of him coming in Disney's future and the future of musical theater and film in general. Now moving on to Marvel news. March 16th, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Punisher, Jessica Jones, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are coming to Disney+. Plus. With them comes are coming new parental controls being implemented upon their arrival, most likely similar to HBO Max, allowing parents to choose what ratings their children are allowed to view, unlocking other ratings from access. The final trailer for Marvel Studios' Morbius just recently dropped. It is still being debated whether this Sony film takes place in the MCU, in the, MCU the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or not. The film arrives in theaters April 1st. Walt Disney Studios has partnered with London-based company Secret Cinema to launch three new projects, allowing you to step into the worlds of three films. Two of these projects are unannounced. The first, though, is based on Marvel Studios' Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. The location of the event in London is kept secret. The event will run from August through December. Tickets are on sale now when this episode drops. Marvel Studios' actor William Hurt has just recently passed away. He was known in the MCU for playing General Thaddeus Ross, the father of Betty Ross, Bruce Banner's love interest, and the man who introduced the Avengers to the Sokovia Accords. He made common appearances related to the Accords throughout his MCU career, including in Black Widow and um, Captain America Civil War. He was 71. The trailer for Moon Knight was released a couple of weeks ago. The show is still set to release March 30th exclusively on Disney+. 
Marvel Limited series is going to be followed by Miss Marvel, which we can assume will be followed up by the long-anticipated She-Hulk. Ryan Reynolds is on press for his new Netflix film, The Atom Project, and is repeatedly denying the accusations that he will be reprising his role as Deadpool in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. People People claim that they can see him in the poster for the movie, though there really is no concrete proof that he will be in the film. Speaking of Doctor Strange, Patrick Stewart is also doing press for his Paramount Plus series, Star Trek Picard. He could clearly be seen and heard in the trailer for the film, though as well he denied his involvement, until recently when he began openly telling the press he was in the film. He was quoted saying he was asleep when the trailer dropped, and when he woke up his phone was exploding with messages asking him if he was really in the movie. He also spoke on how surprised he was fans knew it was him in the trailer, saying it didn't even sound like him, that he must have had a cold that day. <laughs> Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Sling Rings into Theaters, May 6th. In Star Wars news, the trailer for Obi-Wan Kenobi, the exclusive, the exclusive Disney Plus series, has dropped a little less than a week ago upon this recording. The show will follow Obi-Wan after the events of The Ridge of the Sith and Anakin's Fall to the Dark Side. We don't have many details yet, but we can assume it follows his early days on Tatooine, watching over Luke as he grows up. We can also assume A Mandalorian Season 3 is upon us after its teasing in the Book of Boba Fett. It has been theorized that Grogu could possibly become the next Mandalorian Jedi. Story details at this point have not been announced, so we aren't sure what exactly is coming for arguably Star Wars' new most popular characters. The Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser has now opened for paying guests at Walt Disney World, I've not personally experienced it myself yet, but I hope to in the future. I've heard it's the first of its kind and is unlike anything we have ever seen before in themed entertainment. The Star Cruiser is expensive, but it seems the only person who can make the decision whether it's worth it is you. I have no doubt that the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser will go down in history as the first of its kind and a true milestone in themed entertainment. Moving on to Disney Parks news. As I previously mentioned, the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser is now open for paying guests. The two-day trip includes a fully immersive experience aboard the Halcyon, all-inclusive food and non-alcoholic drink, and a one-day excursion to Batu, the storyline name of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Disney's Hollywood Studios. This does include a ticket to Disney's Hollywood Studios, but it is not recommended to leave Galaxy's Edge during your four hours on Batu. There are many more details I didn't list here. So if you find this interesting, I will leave a link in the show notes to some vlogs I found to be great, and I advise you to listen once this is over to Lou Mangiello's WDW radio episode on this topic. Work continues on the highly anticipated Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind at Epcot. The attraction is nearly finished. The final touches of Imagineering Pixie Dust are being added now. Disney executive Jeff Morrell accidentally announced the ride's opening date on Twitter. His words being, just another day at the office, got to test ride the new Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster at Epcot Center. Walt Disney Imagineers have designed this one like no other ride you've ever been on. You have to see it to believe it. Check it out starting Memorial Day weekend. The post was quickly modified to take out the Memorial Day weekend part and only include coming soon, but we can assume that this is the opening date based on the post. Construction also continues on Tron Light Cycle Run. The duplicate attraction being carried over from Shanghai Disneyland that sits by Space Mountain in the Magic Kingdom. Vehicle testing has begun on the attraction, and I will link the Disney Parks official video on that topic in the show notes. 
No official timeline has been released for Splash Mountain's reimagining into a Princess and the Frog attraction, though there have been reports of measurements being made at both Walt Disney World and Disneyland Resort. Many were upset at the announcement, but now that the Disney community has had time to process, many are excited to welcome this reimagined attraction. As of February 17th, face coverings are now fully optional indoors and outdoors at Walt Disney World Resort for fully vaccinated guests. The only exception being that they are still mandated on enclosed transportation. Moving over to Disneyland. The changes in mask requirements are the same at Disneyland Resort. Face coverings are now fully optional indoors and outdoors, as I said, for fully vaccinated guests. The only exception being that they are still mandated on enclosed transportation. Beginning March 9th, Toontown was closed for what is going to be about a year-long reimagining. They're not completely changing the land. They are simply giving it some probably much-needed love. Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin will remain in the land, the biggest change being the addition of the West Coast version of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. The land is set to reopen its doors early spring 2023. Beginning with the Food and Wine Festival at Disney's California Adventure Park, Soarin' Over California will be returning for a limited time. Soarin' Over California is still a fan favorite, though the attraction has been soaring around the world for quite a while now. On April 22nd, Disneyland Forever, World of Color, and the Main Street Electrical Parade, with a new float, are returning to Disneyland Resort. And on May 28th, the beloved fan favorite Fantasmic will be returning as well. Indiana Jones Adventure will be going down for refurbishment from March 8th through March 11th. Not very long, but I thought I'd let you know. In New Orleans Square, Pirates of the Caribbean will be going down for refurbishment from March 14th through the 31st. There is a chance the closure will be slightly longer or shorter than that, but be prepared that for a few weeks after March 14th, the pir Pirates will be closed. And that's going to do it for the news for this episode. Um, a lot of exciting stuff going on. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome back to this first episode of Infinity and Beyond. Right now I have um, Catherine McNeil on the show. She is a Disney planner and all-around travel agent. She's uh, booked our Disney vacations for my family for a while now. So I have her on the show right now to talk about her experience with the Disney fandom, how she got into um, Disney planning in general, and some some stuff about the current goings-on at the parks right now so um hi hi Jackson thanks for having me oh, you're welcome um so you've planned our vacations for a while but I was wondering how did you get into the vacation planning business um pre predominantly Disney right now or specifically um I've always had a love for Disney and I wanted to do a job where I could work from home I was really looking for a work from home kind of job. I was kind of burned out in the nursing field and the politics of working in a large medical office. And I saw, found an opportunity online and applied. And the next day, the agency owner called me and did a phone interview and then offered me the job. That's cool. And here we are. Yeah. Um, so how long would you say you've been an avid fan of like going to the parks and stuff like that? 
I first went to Disney for my third birthday and my whole extended family went. My parents, aunts, uncles, cousins, and grandparents, we all stayed at Fort Wilderness Campground. That's cool. There were only, yeah, I've got a lot of cool pictures from that trip, but um, there were only three resorts then. There was Polynesian, the Contemporary Resort, and Fort Wilderness Campground. So we all had a bunch of campsites next to each other at the campground. I don't remember that trip. But I grew up an hour and a half from Disney and we went oh, wow. all the time. Oh, yeah, cool. my mom loved Disney and we had, now they would call it an annual pass. Back then they called it the Florida resident three season salute. And I think it was like $28 <laughs> per really person. It was so name. cheap. Yeah, it was a long name. It kind of looked like a military ID card. It was That's weird. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it had your picture on it and some information. You had to do your fingerprints like you still do. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I never knew you had to so do your fingerprints for an annual pass. I never knew that. I shouldn't call it a fingerprint. They call it a biometric scan. They're basically measuring the width of your finger. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Is it They're for trying to prevent people from sharing their annual pass with their friend. Yes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah exactly. Gotcha. Um, so how many times would you say you've been to Disney parks around the world or Disney world or Disneyland stateside parks? Um, I would say hundreds. And unfortunately I've never been to Disneyland. I would love to go. My husband and I have priced it out a couple times, but we never pulled the trigger on that trip and then COVID happened. So of course that put everyone's travel plans on the back burner, but I would still love to go to Disneyland one day. Yes, definitely. I'm excited to go um, in April. I'm You're excited planning our trip for there. you. Yeah. I knew about it a long time before you did. <laughs> I would assume so. <laughs> um, so have you ever been to any of the overseas parks? I have not. And I've been to Paris a couple times. I've had, um, a couple people teased me and said, oh, you went there just to go to Disneyland Paris, but we never made it over. It's actually not in Paris. Yeah. Disneyland Paris is about an hour train ride. Actually, it's not an hour. I think it's a half an hour, but we, we had a tour planned and so many activities. We didn't make it over there. I kind of wish we did because I would have loved to have read, written yeah. um, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure uh-huh. and seen their version of the castle, which just looks really beautiful. But yes. Maybe one day. I've always thought it was cool. They have the cave by the castle where they have the animatronic dragon. I've always yeah. thought that was really cool. Yeah, that does sound cool. I love um, that they based their castle off of the Mont Saint-Michel in France on the Normandy coast. Excuse me if you can hear my cats fighting. That's what that background is. <laughs> um, yeah. I will obviously when you go to Paris, your priority is Paris. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, you could spend a month in Paris and not see everything just in Paris alone. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, as I like to ask my guests when they're on the show, what do you think is your favorite Disney movie? Um, what's your favorite movie in general? And for those who are fans of the parks, what's your favorite attraction? Would you say you've been on? My favorite Disney movie is Brave. 
Um, not just because she has curly hair like I do, but because she's a strong, independent female character. She's one of the only Disney characters that doesn't have to have a boyfriend or a husband. That's mm-hmm. not her goal. Her goal is to be independent and self-driven and prove her, her worth on her own. I think that's a great message, especially for today's youth. My favorite movie in general would definitely be The Sound of Music, which I almost know by heart. I love that movie. I love that it's based on a true story. Um, and I love Julie Andrews. Who doesn't love Julie Andrews? She's My amazing. favorite, she is. Yeah. My favorite Disney attraction. Ooh, that's a tough one. I love Expedition Everest. I love Pandora. Um, the Avatar ride. Yeah, those are probably my two favorite. But I also love the Wedley People Mover and the classics that have been there the whole time. I love Peter Pan's Flight. I don't know if it's nostalgia for me. I really loved Mr. Well, everybody Toad's loves Wild Peter Ride. Pan's Flight. Its line is always over. That line is <laughs> I'm so jealous because you're going to get to go on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride in Disneyland, which they still yeah. have there. And that was my favorite ride uh, okay. before it was closed. Have yeah. you, did you go to the one in Disney World that you can remember? Um, My first trip to Disney World was probably in 2011, 2010. I can't really, I can't remember. Okay. Um, So I'm not, I can't exactly remember. I've heard, I feel like I've, I know so much about that attraction that, like I've heard that people did like riots and like sit-ins outside the attraction because yeah. they didn't want to change <laughs> to Winnie the Pooh yeah um, but I I don't think we ever went on it I don't know if I ever got the chance to go on that ride while it was still there well I can't wait to hear what you think about the one in Disneyland yes definitely because that was the original wasn't it yes yes it's considered a dark ride they yeah. used to have a dark ride for um Snow White also Snow White Scary Adventures yeah yeah just rebranded and that. I loved that oh really I didn't know that that's cool yeah it's um Snow White Scary Adventures when it was notorious for being scary, which is in the yes. name. Um, right. <laughs> genuinely scary. Um, like 30-year-olds would go in there and pee their pants. But, <laughs> <laughs> but so they just rebranded it. And it's a retelling of the Snow White story, taking out the creepy parts, more right. or less. I can't remember. Okay. It's, it's not. It's Snow White's some other more happy, sunshiny version of the name. <laughs> nice yeah um well moving on from that I thought while I had you on here we talk about the current state of the parks in terms of Genie Plus the whole Epcot overhaul that's going on right now and the new Galactic Star Cruiser which I've heard really good things about so far so starting off what are your thoughts on um Genie Plus currently with the whole replacing it oh I have mixed feelings um On one hand, I understand that Disney is a business and I haven't personally been able to try out Genie Plus because the last time I went to Disney was early October last year and Disney's Genie Plus service came out October 19th. So I literally just missed using that. Um, I have heard people complain they paid for it and they didn't get to do very many rides. And I feel like if you're paying for a service, you should get they that service. Deliver on service yeah 
Yes. Um, but I've also had people who have used it and loved it. So I'm kind of on the fence. I'm curious to try it myself and see how it goes. I am kind of disappointed that you now have to be on your phone even more. It sounds like to keep yeah. refreshing to get the rides you want for Genie Plus. Yeah, and the whole new virtual queue that? thing for the new rides where every last time we went to Disney, every adult in the hotel room was up at six in the morning and all pressing yeah. the virtual queue for Remy's so we could get yeah. So we could get one. That's um, another thing. There are people that go that get up and hit the parks at rope drop. Um, and then there are people that want to sleep in a little because you are on vacation. So yeah. yeah, I've heard that complaint also. Sometimes when you go to Disney, you want a vacation from the vacation afterwards. Yeah, Disney yeah. is not a relaxing vacation not. at all. It is go, go, go. There's no tired like Disney tired. There's a reason why people say that. It's true. Yeah. Um, that's why when people want to do a cruise and Disney, I'm like, do the cruise second. Yes. Because you're going to need some rest after you go to Disney. Yeah. It's hard to go right back to work. <laughs> uh, I, I've told people before when I've gotten back from Disney, like this last time, I've said that you don't feel it when you're there. When you're there, you're running on adrenaline and then you get home yep. and you crash. Or even yes. on the plane ride home, you start to like feel it like you cannot hold your <laughs> eyelids open. Um, you have sore feet and yeah. yeah, it's a whole thing. All the stuff. Yep. It's fun, but yeah. Yes. Um, so they're doing this whole reimagining of Epcot right now. They're adding the Guardians roller coaster and the new Moana journey of water. And they were gonna suppose they were they were supposed to add the Mary Poppins um cherry tree lane area in the UK. Yes. But that Bob Chapek recently just announced that that was defunded during the pandemic, which we all kind of assumed, but we were holding out hope. Yeah. Um, but what are your thoughts I personally, on Epcot changing? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I personally, no, I'm sorry. I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, I personally love that little area that they have in United Kingdom now in Epcot. I think it's so cute. It's missed by so many people because you have to know where you're going to walk back there and see it so but it's many, a great little yeah, quiet I, spot I couldn't find I started studying Disney and I learned about Maelstrom before it changed Frozen Ever After yeah and I was I like mom, there, mom and dad there is another there's another ride in Epcot it's called Maelstrom they're like what are you talking about so one time <laughs> I think we like like my like we we just couldn't find it like stuff is so tucked away in the world showcase that until yes. Frozen Ever After was there there was like no one went there like you couldn't right like, I didn't even know where it was yeah I have a lot of parents tell me oh we're gonna just gonna do three days in the parks we're gonna skip Epcot and it it hurts my heart to hear someone mm. say that and I always encourage them please go to Epcot give Epcot a chance Epcot's actually my favorite park for many Epcot reasons is, yeah it's gone through the most changes and reimaginings and yes. all the stuff it was originally people, if you, if you went there in the eighties, it would have been, I hate saying this because it's kind of nostalgic for some people now, but it was, it was kind of boring. I did there were, go there in the eighties. Yeah. There were very <laughs> so few I know what you mean. attractions and all, it was like, it was like a big children, it was non-children's museum. It was like a big, it was like a big museum kind of, there was not like artifacts and stuff, but like the, like the, the interactive exhibit. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, yeah, Epcot has the best food. 
Oh, the yeah. World Coat Showcase is amazing. It's also usually the park that's open the latest. So especially if you have park hopper tickets, yes, Epcot's the place to go. And Spaceship Earth is so beautiful with that new lighting package. I love Spaceship Earth. Gorgeous. Yes. They're supposed to be um, renovating that ride also, but that was also pushed back. Sure. I'm not sure if that was defunded or not. He, did, I'm not sure if he commented on that, but that re, that retheme of that ride was going to look, not retheme, but reimagining of it was going to look really cool with the light that traveled between the scenes and stuff. That's a very Disney phrase, reimagining. Yeah. That's what, that's like the it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the phrase everyone's been using so it's the one yeah. ingrained into my head now yeah i'm super yeah. excited about guardians of the galaxy coaster that's oh, gonna be it's gonna be great yeah. super fun i'm very excited about the neutron light cycle run that's gonna be amazing oh, i've yeah. watched videos of that from shanghai disney i it's think that's really gonna be the cool, new yeah. it ride for sure i found it i mean the ride itself looks so cool but I just find it weird that they've made a ride based around Tron. Because I've watched both of those movies, the old one and the run from 2018. Yeah. And they are some of the most, like when you think of complicated movies, you think of Star Wars or a Marvel movie or like The Matrix. You don't. Yeah, The Matrix for sure. The Matrix for sure, which yeah. is really, I, sidebar, I recently watched that. I didn't find it very confusing at all. I understood it. <laughs> you might be more intelligent me. than the rest of us then. <laughs> Um, but you don't, Tron is the most confusing film franchise I've ever watched. You know, it's like, like I've, I thought about it for hours after I watched both of those movies. I was like, how, how does that, and it just broke my brain. Like I just couldn't like, yeah. <laughs> like it's not, and it's don't not one of the most popular brain. things either. So like, I, I agree it, with I find you. it kind of moving it over from Shanghai like Shang- it was really popular in Shanghai, um, but bringing it here, I think, is just weird because it never really regained any popularity in the states. I'm not sure how it did uh, overseas. Yeah, but. yeah, I I agree with you there. I think um, most of us, myself included, are just going to ride that ride because it's going to be a fun, cool. Oh ride. yeah, yeah, and it's going to be like, yeah, I've, I'm so excited for the the ride system with the. I just recently saw them testing the vehicles where it, it snaps yes. down on your back. So you lean forward. That re- yeah, it reminds real. me. Yeah. <laughs> there's no. <laughs> trying to think. There's no. Um, there's not. The mechanism is not like this on um, Hagrid's in Universal. But it, it the whole motorbike aspects um, reminds me of it kind of in terms of yeah, you're sitting on a I bike. Could see that. Time. Yeah. Yeah. There's just no sidecar. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, there's no sidecar. <laughs> that would be fun too, but yeah, totally we went, different. We went to Universal a couple of years ago. And I remember asking my dad if he would sit in the sidecar so I could be <laughs> on the motorcycle. And he had to crunch up his legs and it felt weird. Oh, like, that's <laughs> such a sweet dad thing to do, though. He was like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Oh, that's nice. Your parents are so nice. <laughs> Thank you. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really excited for the Guardians coaster and the whole idea that it's going to launch you backwards like um, Rockin does in Hollywood Studios. At, I'm pretty sure it's the same speed probably around there, but instead of going yeah. forwards, you're going to go backwards. That sounds really, really yeah. fun. Yeah, I love that backwards part in Expedition Everest also. 
Oh yeah. And I love writing that with someone who's never written it before. So I'm always like, don't <laughs> tell don't them, tell don't them. tell you them, don't just tell let them. it be a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we haven't ruined it for anyone listening here. Yeah. I've seen videos of um, people write it when that broken piece of track is under refurbishment, the mangled piece of track. So it just looks like you're going to fall off the side. And yes. they're hysterical. Everyone on yeah. the ride is hysterical because it yeah, looks it's like, like where are we going to go? Shoot right <laughs> off the ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it looks like Tron is going to be when it opens the only other Disney attraction to ever not the not not ever. I take that back because there's California Screaming or the Incredicoaster in California. But it's going to be the only one in Florida that's other than Rockin' that's ever gone upside down. I think. Um. Yeah. Yeah, you're if right. Guardians doesn't do that, which I think it opens first. But if Guardians doesn't do that, then it looks like that that's going to be the first one that goes upside down, which is going to be really interesting to see. People love a roller coaster that goes upside down. So yeah, I love definitely. to see Disney, Disney should definitely do more of those. They're going to pull in more guests for sure, because I've I seen, agree. I've talked to older kids before who are not as fanatic Disney fans as me. And they're like, I'd rather go to Universal because their rides are better. And right. I'm like, well, what they're looking for, obviously, is thrill level. And they have the right. ones that have the crazy huge roller coasters. So I love to see Disney kind of dipping their toes closer to that. Not quite in the deep end, but getting into the pool at least. Um, yeah, I of agree. More intense um, roller coasters. Yeah, Disney is really quick to say that they're not a thrill park; they're a theme park. Yes. So they're more about the the theming. But oh yeah, I'm with yes. you 100 percent on that. They definitely need to get some, and they are. They have. I love the yes. Disney rides because not everyone is 14. And wants to go upside down and go really fast yes. and throw their hands up in the air. Some people just want to go with their grandkids oh, yeah. or even their kids and just still have fun, but not be as scared. So, and I get that too. So yeah, it's supposed to be a family park and I think they've done a great job. Yes. In that. I've seen that they're kind of, I've never heard that. I've never heard that term before. Um, it's not supposed to be a thrill park. It's a theme park. Yeah. Um, Every time people have called, this is me being Nick picky, but sometimes when people, <laughs> when, some people, when people call Disney an amusement park, I said, it's not an amusement park, it's a theme park. Right. But I've never heard that that, I never knew that Disney actually coined that phrase that you're using right now. I've never heard that before. I actually heard, I'd heard it before, but I heard it from Disney when yeah. I did the Keys to the Kingdom tour. In Magic Kingdom oh, okay. a couple of years ago. And I know that's one that you really want to do. I've wanted to do it for and, years. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate that they raised the age for that, but you'll get there. I promise. There was some kid that snuck into a computer server room in the Utilidors or something. And they decided, nope, raising the age limit. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Who knows? Got into the turkey in the subway station that's down there. No, it's not subway station, subway sandwich shop. The subway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't know why you I do get to see, You get to see more of the utilidors than I thought we were going to oh, really? see. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. It's like a little city under there. Yeah. Magic Kingdom Park is built on the second level. 
Yes, I've told you that. I told our friends that when we went last time because they've never been before. When you're in Magic Kingdom, you're on the second level. You're not ground level. You're elevated every time you're here. Um, which I've always found interesting. It kind of boggles your mind to think that, but but my feet are what? It's just like, yeah. I could tell you more, but I don't want to give the tour away. So I'll let you take the tour when you're able. And they'll, okay. they're going to give you a lot more information on that, which is really fascinating. Gotcha. Um, so have you heard anything about the Galactic Star Cruiser at all recently? I have heard a little bit. Um, I've heard it's extremely immersive. You get your mm-hmm. own iPad kind of Data device. Pad, yeah. It's yeah. Like, to use for your journey. I've heard it's journey. iPhone 12, I think. Yeah. And I've, okay. like the, the latest version of iPhone, I think is what you get, but it's a data pad quote unquote right Um, it's very pricey so i think it's definitely for the diehard star wars fan yeah i've heard people say multiple times yeah you choose it like some people say it's too expensive some people said that those that you you choose that for you if you're not going to interact with people and you're not going to participate in the experience and you don't really know anything about star wars don't spend that money because it's not for you. You'd be wasting your time to go. Yeah. You would. You'd be wasting your time and money to go there. If if you're an introvert who hates Star Wars. Right. Don't go there because it's immersive feeder in a Star Wars spaceship. <laughs> if you're an introvert who hates Star Wars, who has a lot of extra money, use it elsewhere. Yes. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. The two um, people that I know that did it are big Star Wars fans. They love Star Wars. Yeah. And they had a blast. They dressed up and got completely into it. It was worth it to them. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I've I wore I my mini ears there. just for you, Jackson. They're my <laughs> newest you. mini ears. I wore them just for you. <laughs> um, yeah, I would love to go to the Star Cruiser at some point, see what it's like. I've heard it's I've heard from some people it's overpriced and kind of meh, and I've heard from others it's the best experience they've one of the best experiences they've ever had in themed entertainment right I mean you can walk through Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and see the detail that Disney has put into that whole experience crazy yes there's always going to be people that don't like something and then others that love everything I think I'd be somewhere in the middle like this is great maybe a one and done for me if I ever do it yeah, but um, no one can say that Disney doesn't do do everything well. Yes, I think even people who don't like Disney would admit they're all about the details. I've heard it explained once on another podcast that I listened to that Disney is like if you go to a movie theater and the small popcorn bucket is worth less money, but there's they only are going to give you the big popcorn bucket, so you cannot you can't pay for less because they're only right. going to give you the big thing, and the big right. thing costs more money. <laughs> Um, but that's a good once you pay for it, it yeah. you get the value for it. They just didn't give you the option of buying anything less. Well, that kind of makes me think of the new Genie Plus service. And I know you've been to Universal because we were just talking about it. It's, I I didn't like the way Universal does their express pass. It's included, I, of course, if you stay at a premier resort. Oh, it but is? let's say you're just yeah. going for a couple. Yeah, if you stay at Hard Rock Hotel or Lowe's Royal Pacific, um, those resorts that they're premier resorts, it's included with your tickets 
if oh, you stay okay. there, which is a great perk. I wish Disney would do that or uh, just yeah. allow you to pay to get into the lightning lane and not have to reserve anything on your phone. Yes. You want to go on Expedition Everest? Great. Here's the lightning lane entrance. Get in line and go, yeah. et cetera. I would be yeah. willing to pay more money to, to do that every day. Yes. I when can't with, speak for everyone, but. With Express Pass, you pay that price for the day and then you go and you just have to, like, you don't have to go on there and book another one and wait another 30 minutes before Correct. you can book another one and all the stuff. Yeah. So I personally think, I don't know if you can really choose between them, Beck. I think the Express Pass, I like how they do it better than Genie Plus in terms of how it takes a while too. for you to book it again. Yeah. But but that's the thing. Well, we just go right back into Fast Pass again, and people would be like, why am I paying for this? Because right. the idea with Genie Plus is that it's lowering wait times because less yep. people are wanting to pay the money, which secret which and it sure does sell knew, out. everyone is paying the money right right yeah. and express passes do sell out they only sell so many per day and i have a client there now who didn't want to pay for express passes she's staying at a disney resort doing a split stay and okay. they spent their day at universal and she texted me now i know why you tried to talk me into getting the express fast because they did very little because the wait times were so high and they yeah. tried to buy the Express Pass that day, and it was $1,000 for the three of them. Yeah. If they had gotten it ahead of time, they would have paid $300 yeah. for the three They're of Star them. Wars fans, so, then you can put that money somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not cheap, but I feel like you get what you pay for with the Express Pass at Universal, especially if you get the unlimited and you want to ride your favorite ride again and again and again you can without having to be on your phone yes definitely or wait yeah so, yeah um so i crap i was gonna bring i have another i had another point i was gonna bring up and then now it's escaping me i'm um, oh, sorry we went back to the genie plus express pass i probably threw you off <laughs> it's fine um yeah, this that's what I was going to say. If you ever the there's a um YouTuber who does he has histories of rides um at theme park rides that don't exist anymore. He's done a lot of Disney. Um he's done like extraterrestrial alien encounter that was in Tomorrowland for a while. Mm -hmm. Um he's called I it's called Defunct. I loved Land. that. You did? Did he talk about Captain EO? It's not a ride. It's Michael Jackson. He, yeah, I've heard yes. about it. I bet he's done a video on Michael. On, that uh, was amazing. Too. If I could download that song on my phone, I, I mean, Captain That's EO always was sounded so, cool. so weird to me. Out of all the old Disney attractions, Captain EO <laughs> has always sounded the strangest. Michael Jackson really? is an alien cowboy or uh, <laughs> I bet he's it was like different an than alien that. dancer. He was captured it. by an alien. It was like this weird spider, huge woman. She had a bunch of legs. It sounds crazy. It probably is crazy. Probably half of this is nostalgia again, but I watched it so many times growing up and I love it. Everyone is as nostalgic for Epcot in the 80s who's been to Epcot in the 80s. True, true. Yeah. I would love to have Body seen Wars. Horizons. Did he do Body Wars? I bet he's done Body Wars. Yeah. Horizons was cool. 
I would love to have seen Horizons. That, I've heard a lot of good things about Horizons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've heard about all the, the term now that after he made that YouTube channel or probably before then, I'm not sure, but you call a ride that doesn't exist at a theme park now defunct. Okay. People call it defunct because he popularized it, but I'm pretty sure it was going on before him. That's why his channel is called that. But the point is he's doing a, he's done a video back recently. um, Shortly after Genie Plus was announced and not announced, but implemented in the parks where he went in depth. It's a, it's an hour, it's an hour and a half to two hour long documentary about fast pass and genie oh, wow. plus and he has the history of fast pass um he has the history of standby weights how fast pass came to be and the history of fast pass through the end and then he has he got together with a friend and made a computer system that simulated um it simulated a theme park he called it shapeland and Shapeland wow. had like four attractions and he had these, he had like, he created a whole algorithm where the things would go into the attractions. And if it, the whole idea was if Genie Plus shortened wait times because people weren't paying for it. Um, but skip ahead if you don't want to hear this part, but it's interesting is that it's like 30 seconds or whatever. He reveals later Shapeland is Animal Kingdom. And the biggest ride there oh. is Fun Passage. If so, it's it's very interesting. Um, like even if you have to split up between a couple days, I would definitely recommend it. Um, whenever you have time, it's, it's very interesting. I'm curious to know if he mentioned or made the point that Fast Passes and Genie Plus and just Genie, the free service Disney now offers, are really just ways to manipulate lines to be shorter and to move us around the parks. Oh, yeah, he okay. <laughs> he's a, he very much. I don't. This I don't think this is a word, but I'm gonna say it anyways because it's the only thing that I can think of. Anthropomorphized kind of okay. pass pass, and he he called it like a monster almost. He said Disney had created a monster and they didn't know what to do with it. Um, and that's where things get. <laughs> that's where things get kind of confusing. I don't know how to explain it, but. He has a whole little skit of a boss talking to his assistant and the assistant says something about maybe we can charge people and then we can kill the monster. Oh no. <laughs> it's that's hilarious. It's interesting. I'll have to check um, that out. Yes, definitely. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you for talking to me on the show. That was very, yeah. was very fun. It was cool. It was my pleasure. On. Thanks for having me. I love your Pixar shirt. <laughs> Thank you. I know you're a big Pixar fan. That's cool. Yeah, I am. Toy Story is one of my favorite films, period. But like you said, with old Epcot attractions, it's nostalgia because that's probably one of my first, if not my first film, definitely my first Disney or Pixar film I ever saw is Toy Story. Is that still your favorite? Um, Still my favorite Pixar film, but my favorite Disney film is Princess and the Frog. So I always have to make that distinction now because I love Princess and the Frog so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great one too. Are you excited then for the new, the reimagining of Splash Mountain? Yes. I'm very excited for the reimagining of Splash Mountain. The day I, it was announced, I literally, like, it was funny. Me and my mom had just had a conversation in the car about what was about the re-theme. 
And then mom texted me three hours later was like, it was a Twitter post from Disney that said reimagining of Splash Mountain. Um, so I, I cried. I literally cried that day. Because Aww, I was, you're so excited. <laughs> not because I was so excited. Because I was, it was because I was sad Splash Mountain was leaving. But now the computer I'm recording this on, the screensaver is the concept art for the reimagining of Splash Mountain. So oh, I'm wow, excited. That's cool. Yeah. I'm excited I'm, too. I'm hoping that will, um, Hopefully COVID's winding down now. Things are slowly getting back to normal. Hopefully the work on that will start really soon. Yes. I've told people um, who I've been talking to about the parks before that I, down there, down in the laughing place, when you go down into the very dark kind of neon lit room with the leaping water frogs and stuff like that, that has to be um, going down the bayou, that song. Yeah. Yeah, I've always thought I've always thought that looks perfect. I've imagined it in my head so many times, but um thank you. yeah. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that with me, Jackson. It was fun. Thanks yeah. for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being on the show. Welcome back to the show. In this segment, I will be consistently reviewing a TV show with a friend. In this case, that friend is Jonathan Hayes. Uh, say hi. Hello. Yeah, it is I, Jonathan Hayes. Um, so I was just going to put together something so we could get to know you a little bit before we started since no one's been introduced to you yet. So I would ask, like, what's your favorite, like, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite fruit? And what's your favorite movie? Not fruit, food. <laughs> fruit? <laughs> Um, my favorite color is green. You know, I'm a simple man. Uh, I'm not wearing green right now. I'm wearing a blue Snoopy shirt. So, like, yeah, but I really like, um, my favorite food is pizza. Um, every time we get pizza, I eat, like, almost a whole pizza. But that's because I'm Jonathan, so I eat a lot, naturally. But, um, what was the last question? (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite movie? My favorite movie? Dang, that's kind of tough. You really about to make me choose? Uh, I think the first movie that I like really, really, really enjoyed was probably Infinity War. Oh, okay, gotcha. Because I've seen a lot of movies, but nobody, no, no movie has had the impact as much as like Infinity War. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, that's cool. Uh, for our first show, for our first like TV show, we're gonna be reviewing. It's going to going to be Marvel Studios' WandaVision. And I will warn you, if you didn't infer this already, this will include spoilers for WandaVision and most likely the overall MCU. So I'm just warning you before we start. So now, Jonathan, what were you, What are your thoughts on Episode 1, Films Before a Live Studio Audience? I thought they really hit the mark with what they were trying to do. Like, they were really trying to go for, like, a 50s, like, nostalgic type thing, but that same kind of, like, modern feel... Um, they really did a good job, and some of the jokes that they put in there were really funny. Like, there was one where it was talking about how, what was it, uh, single men die more than married men or die earlier. Something I thought that about was how the death rate of single men is 50% or 75% more than married men or something like that. <laughs> yeah, um. I thought that was pretty funny, but um, 
I thought it was really good. Um, that part where uh, what's his face, Mr. Hart was choking yeah. and like she just said, "Stop, stop it, stop it, stop it." I thought that was like that was honestly creepy. Like not even like Marvel. That that's something that Marvel hasn't really done before. That creepiness type thing. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. I thought that was cool. So yeah. Yeah. So I guess say. I think the interesting thing there is that we can infer hearing about what sh- later in the show is that she made him choke in that moment. She just got angry and like just ma- made him choke, like yeah. physically hurt him on purpose. And I think that's kind of dark that we're looking at Wanda as kind of like a villain in this because she's never real. I mean, she ha- was kind of put in that role when she was fighting against the Ven- the Avengers in Age of Ultron. Yeah. But I feel like it's kind of interesting that <clears throat> In the this show kind of puts her in that in that kind of spot, but really it's she's the most relatable villain that you can really see because she's not doing anything for malicious intent. It's all because she wants to, like she just wants to be happy. It's like really hard for her to cope with the fact that Vision is dead. Yeah. Um, I thought it was funny when they're at the <laughs> when they're at Vision's work. And they're like, what do we make here? It's because it just shows the fact it's all just like it's just busy work that she created for him. Yeah. Because so he'll be doing something and not question anything. Not yeah. But it's it's also a funny joke because I bet there actually are businesses in the world where you could ask that question. They'd be like, uh, we make computational forms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that that actually yeah. exists. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> yeah. It um. Yeah, I thought the part with Mr. Hart was also really interesting in terms of the fact that it was, like, really creepy. It, like, really introduced you to the show. Yeah. Um, I liked the whole 50s vibe to it, too. It was good. Yeah, I thought the whole 50s vibe was really, really cool. Um, and I, re- I like the idea that it was... Before they filmed this show, they actually talked to Dick Van Dyke. Like, what the director sat, the director or somebody from the show, producer or something, sat down with Dick Van Dyke and, like, talked to him about what the exact layout of the Dick Van Dyke show was. And since that was, like, Wanda's favorite sitcom, they went, and if you compare the set of episode one of WandaVision to the set of the Dick Van Dyke show, it is the exact same set. Which is just kind of crazy that they got that precise yeah. of a measurement, kind of. That it was like, it's the exact same set, if you look. Yeah. I also like the Bewitched sort of vibes to episode one and two, because that's like a really cool sitcom. I always like watching episodes of that when I can. Yeah, did you notice that um, when Agnes first came to like Wanda's doorstep? She said something along the lines of like "I'm charmed" or something like. Or, charmed. Yeah, charmed. Like th- yeah. that was foreshadowing. That was really good <laughs> foreshadowing. Thinking about now, so yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah, you could really see there was an undertone in her voice when she was, like, when she asked who Wanda was, that she because we see later in the song that she literally, like, she had literally just landed in Westview when she walked through that door, like it was instantaneous that she went in. <clears throat> To help her with dinner or whatever. Like, it, it, that was immediate. Um, so it was just, like, you could very much see there was that sort of very, like, sort of evil kind of malicious undertone. Like, yeah. 
getting her way when she when she said charmed because she was like okay now i have an outline for who's doing this and we know she was she was watching the whole time there's not one thing in westview that she didn't see the entire time she was there um it's like kind of interesting i think this show so far even from this first episode really is setting up where wanda's going in the future because through every episode, we really see her coping with the grief of losing vision and coping with the fact that her power is just growing at an astronomical rate. And if you had superpowers and you soon learned out of nowhere you were one of the most powerful beings on Earth, that would be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that would be like a lot. Um, but I also wanted to talk about while we were on here, the Multiverse of Madness trailer which I think is was really cool um, <laughs> so far. Um, but since I don't think Jonathan has seen it, so on the show I was gonna I was gonna pull it up and him and I are going to do a live watch of it and we can see what his reaction to the trailer is. So I'm gonna go ahead and pull that up. While I'm doing that though, so it's not just awkward silence. Awkward silence while you pull it up. Um, Jonathan has something funny that he keeps track of on his phone where it's like quotes. So I'm going to ask him to find one and pick one out and read one or two for you because I personally just think it's a hilarious idea that he had to do this in the first place. So. <laughs> All right. You, you ready? Okay. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go look one up so you can talk to him. So, um, hey, everybody, just uh, just in case you haven't been listening and you somehow just don't have ears, um, I'm Jonathan. Um. Uh, I made this quote book for me and my friends, including Jax, so whenever I hear something that's a good quote, I just write it down in my notes app, and so um, here's one of them. <coughs> I, I don't, this is just, uh, I don't know why this is so funny. All right, hold on. We are murdering them economically. <laughs> quote of the day, we are, we are murdering them economically. Oh, oh, here's a second one, here's a second Regular. one. Throwing small children is fun. <laughs> it's just, he just is having conversations, and he finds these things and decides to point them out because he thinks they're hilarious, that- which they do end up being, they end up being really good, which I, I just think it's hilarious. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. What, anyways, um, I was going to go ahead, since I finally found it, took me long enough, but I was going to go ahead and play that um, trailer and see what Jonathan thinks of it. So let's go. <laughs> it's, what, is that Dormammu? Bruh, he woke up. <clears throat> Yo, this is sick already. Did he though? He broke the multiverse to get a kid into college, so. Yeah, I don't think yeah. he had to do that yeah. necessarily. <laughs> Bro, this movie about if Deadpool is not in this, we're we riot. Ryan Reynolds is saying no. But Dude, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire said no. <laughs> what? Vision talking about the multiverse. It's a little sus. That is that is kind of <laughs> suspicious. Foreshadowing, maybe, maybe, maybe. 
Oh, it's the dude from the first Doctor Strange. What? Ultron bots. Ultron bots? I think so. Professor X. Wait, what? Professor X? Patrick Stewart. That was him. Yo, what? That visual is crazy. Professor X? The oh my gosh. This is... Then Deadpool has no, to... No, that, that's the What If Strange. People yeah, that, that, yeah that. that's the What If Strange. Is that, is that a biblical angel? You ever seen those drawings of the biblical angels yeah. where it's just like a giant eye with wings? Oh, Westview House. That's really awesome. Let's go. Oh, that is that's a grody visual. Ooh, yeah. Bro, what is that? What was that? Crazy. What yeah. was that thing? This is sick, dude. I'm excited. That's gonna be awesome. May sixth. It's gonna be a really awesome movie. Yeah. Twenty third. Uh, it's the third of March. Yeah. So we have a while to go, but it's gonna be a really cool movie once it comes. Yeah. So. All of that, we didn't get much America Chavez in that trailer, but I've heard she's a pretty cool character in terms of, like, her power set, yeah. what she can do. She can punch, she can punch holes in the multiverse pretty much. Right. And she can create portals and wander through the multiverse. And it isn't, like, strange where she can just kind of go into random dimensions. She can literally, like, enter the multiverse, like, as a, as a whole. <laughs> yeah. Um... So I thought that was really cool that like, that her power set she fits very well in this movie. But yeah, what was your favorite thing you really think you you think you saw in that trailer? Because there's a whole lot of things in that trailer, like a whole lot of frames that you have to stop for like less than a millisecond to catch and stuff. But people have done it, and the stuff that they found is crazy. But like in what if there's the Captain Carter thing in the background? Apparently, at some point in that trailer, you can see her shield. Really? It's sitting in the background. Yeah. Uh -huh. Um, so what do you think was your favorite thing from that trailer? Um, I would say, oh, I'm grabbing the mic now, okay. So I would probably say, like, just the Patrick Stewart, uh, Professor X. So crazy. Yeah, because that's, dude, I, the X-Men movies were, like, so great, and I was mad that they weren't in the MCU because they were awesome movies. But then again, I mean, Marvel, Kevin Feige always finds somehow, some way to connect any single universe into the MCU. <laughs> he could incorporate bubble guppies into the MCU, I'm pretty sure, if he could. Like, just bubble, bubble, bubble. somehow make a storyline that makes sense. But, yeah. They have H2O manipulation powers, and they're from the Nick Jr. universe. The Nick Jr. universe. <laughs> they have H2O manipulation, and now every person on Earth wants to kill them. Hydrochronic. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a disease. <laughs> oh my gosh, Audrochronica. Uh, oh my gosh, are you Audrochronic? <laughs> are you Audrochronic? <laughs> Anyways, this one off the rails fast. <laughs> but in that trailer, for weeks, apparently, Sir Patrick Stewart said he got was on a bunch of interviews for um Star Trek Picard on Apple TV. Oh, no, that's not on Paramount Plus. Yeah. And he kept saying, no, I'm not in it. No, I'm not in it. Oh, well, people have been, but he, at one point he went to say, people have been impersonating my voice for years. Like, the people sound exactly like me. I, I mean, it, it, it wasn't me. Andrew Garfield said it wasn't him for months, too. 
But apparently recently, Sir Patrick Stewart just like, from what I understand, he broke. He just said, yeah, it's me. It's me. You saw my ear. You, It, it was me. He just like, whatever NFT he signed, whatever, like anything, he just isn't completely disregarding it. He's like, I'm not going to play the Garfield game. I'm like, <laughs> the Garfield game. Like, I'm not. I'm just going to tell everyone I am in this movie. I'm just in this movie. Obviously, you got it. You have to name this episode Patrick Stewart's ear. Or you have to like name it. You can see my ear. You know it's me. You got to say that. <laughs> I don't know if those were his exact words, but it was something along those lines. Yeah, well, that's what you said, so he was like he was like yes it's me it's me like, whatever whatever he signs that said he couldn't do it like Kevin Feige isn't gonna go and be like uh yeah you can't yeah like that was like we're, you're fired like you can't do that like he's Patrick Stewart he couldn't do anything wrong if like he can't do anything wrong if he was teased to be in that movie and he wasn't in that movie people would riot yeah cause it's like it's iconic at this point yeah but before we wrap up here, I was just going to go ahead and say, re- relating back to WandaVision, but kind of Wanda's progression through the past few bits she's been in movies, because I really feel like that character has changed so much Tremendously, yeah. from Age of Ultron to now. So kind of, like I would just say what she, like talking about how she, she said to Strange in this trailer, you break the rules, and you're the hero, and I break them, and I'm the villain. I don't see how that's fair. Yeah. Like, is that fair? Like, like they're both magic users and, extre- users and extremely powerful. Like, why is it wrong that Wanda can break the universe, like, by being a Scar- by being the Scarlet Witch? Something she can't change. It just chose her. And yet, she just, he, Strange breaks the rules. Gets a kid into college by breaking the multiverse in two. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, yay, you're the hero and you're so mature and smart and responsible. <laughs> my gosh, Doctor Strange, can you please sign my baby? <laughs> sign my baby. <laughs> <laughs> can you please sign my baby? <laughs> Just right on the forehead. But that really, it really isn't fair that Strange gets all this power and knows how to use it and breaks the rules and no one cares. And then Wanda tries to be happy and goes through all this craziness that she doesn't know how to control and everybody's just so angry at her. Yeah. Like, she just can't she can't get out of it. It's just crazy to me. I mean, Wanda did torture an entire town for a long period of time. So, but that's going in the that is going in the quote book right now. She did torture an entire <laughs> town. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Here's the last question I'm going to ask relating back to the episode kind of, but do you think Mrs. Hart seemed really hungry in that in that point of the episode? And that was where things started to get kind of weird and go downhill. When when she started saying her head was feeling woozy. My question is can Mrs. – does Wanda let people eat? Like, are they allowed to eat? I mean, I feel like if you're under mind control, then you don't really think about those kind of things. But then again, that wouldn't have been there just by coincidence. You know, she, they wouldn't have put that in as a detail just for – I mean, it could have been a red herring. But then again, the MCU likes to throw in things that they – it's like a red herring inside of a red, red herring. They like to make you think it's a red herring, but it actually isn't. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. they make it – so plainly obvious that you're like oh it's too obvious yeah but it ends up being it (laughs) you know what i mean like 
So, yeah, I think Wanda just didn't care about that. She only cared about a life of vision, so. Yeah. Yeah, whether she wants to admit it or not, when it came to the heart of everything, all she cared about was getting her family. She didn't care about the welfare of that town, no matter how much she tries to backtrack and say, no, you're happy, you're happy, I made you so happy. Like, she knew what she was doing from a pretty early on. She figured it out, and she still didn't want to change it. Because, I mean, it was traumatic experience, but and she couldn't control it, what happened. It was just an outburst of emotion, but she knew it was happening, and she should have taken it down way earlier. In or And it probably wouldn't have been as hard if she had from the moment that she knew it was going on. Um, but interesting little bit of knowledge before we're done with this segment is that if you see the rest of episodes of WandaVision... Where again do you see Mr. Hart? There's only one other time in the entire series where we see him. Do you know where that is? Episode 3, right? It's episode 3? Um, where in episode 3? When they're having the baby and he like, comes over to value? I can't remember. He's in the theme song for um, episode 2 or 3. I can't remember which one. But then even up to the end of the series where they're all freed. from the Actually, from the beginning of the series, if you're looking at flashbacks, you see... Mrs. Mrs. Hart sitting down and drinking coffee at a restaurant before she's mind-controlled, and he's not there. So my question is, who is this guy, and where did he come from? He's there for one episode, and then he's just gone. Like, he just disappears. Did Wanda kill him, or is he from out of... My question is, in episode four, we hear that Jimmy had a agent and someone in the witness protection program in town was that him do you think mr hart was the person under witness protection since we never see him again and he wasn't there from the beginning uh, i mean honestly i he might be the witness protect like witness protection guy i think all signs point to that and also just like we, you, he's always referred to as mr hart you never hear his first name yeah you don't yeah so it's like yeah that it does lead you believe that He's the witness protection guy, so, yeah, I gotta agree with you on that. Well, this concludes our first review of this episode. We'll be back Yay. in the next episode. We did it! Without <laughs> stopping. Let's yeah. go. We'll be back in the next episode with um, a review of the second episode of WandaVision, Don't Touch That Dial. But from until then, um, this has been Jonathan and me talking about Marvel and being slightly ridiculous for the last little bit of time so um we'll see you uh the next time or jonathan will see you the next time that we record another review bye Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. This is going to be the segment where I will be continuously um, making up a Disney, Marvel, or Star Wars theory and reading it for you guys here on the podcast. 
I thought for a while what I wanted this one to be about, and then I found the perfect thing. Do you remember Tia Dalma from the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise? She's a voodoo witch who is secretly a sea goddess called Calypso, trapped in human form. She was in a relationship with Davy Jones, but after she abandoned him, Davy Jones gathered a resentment for Calypso. When he confronted her about it hundreds of years later, her response was, It's not my nature. As in, it's not her nature to stay in one place or stay tied down for long. She was unpredictable as the sea itself. Once she was freed from her human bonds by the Brethren Court, she disappears. We never see her again for the remaining two movies. My question is, where did she go? After this, where does a sea goddess with infinite power go? Then I thought, or well, are there any other Dis Disney characters that practice voodoo? And when I started contemplating that thought, my mind immediately went to my favorite Disney film of all time, The Princess and the Frog. It all hinges on this line from Dr. Facilier. I'm a royal myself on my mother's side. Yes, I believe that Dr. Facilier, the villain from Princess and the Frog, is the son of sea goddess Calypso or Tia Dama. But you may be thinking if this is the case, who is the father, and why would she stay with this guy long enough to have a child and just abandon her true love, Davy Jones? Well, at the point that she would have met this man, Davy Jones has died over a hundred years ago which I think is a sufficient amount of time to get over him. Will Turner stabbed his heart, therefore killing Davy Jones and making Will captain of the Flying Dutchman. We see in At World's End that Calypso truly did love Davy Jones, who before meeting her was just an average mortal man. Calypso has loved mortal average men, so I don't see why it would be so far off that she would fall in love with another. As for the fact of her abandoning this man too, because to stay in one place is not her nature. I think she did abandon him after she birthed and at least partially raised Facilier. In The Princess and the Frog, Dr. Facilier is very powerful. He has direct contact with the, out with the afterlife. He can talk to his own shadow, just like another Disney character that also connects to Pirates of the Caribbean, <coughs> Peter Pan. But that's another theory for another time. He can transform human bodies into animals or other humans. He can look within people's minds. He can cast seemingly physical, vivid illusions out of thin air. He can send evil shadow spirits to do his bidding. And if that wasn't enough, he has hundreds of artifacts we've never seen in use. And to top it all off, he says himself, I got voodoo, I got voodoo, I got things I ain't even tried. Where did he acquire this collection and these abilities? Well, I think he gained this knowledge from his mother. The next question would be, why would Calypso want to have a son at all? Well, let's think about it. Most likely no longer than 40 to 50 years after the events of At World's End, the United States is now a free country. And over the next hundreds of years or so, it is rapidly growing and quickly becoming one of the most powerful nations on the planet. Calypso sees this, and she decides she wants to visit this new country sometime in the late 1800s. She comes naturally to Louisiana, the place with the largest voodoo presence, and it flows right out into the Gulf of Mexico. The Gulf of Mexico leads right out into the Caribbean, so it would be right on the border of her domain, being that the film series is literally called Pirates of the Caribbean. And after coming up 
the Gulf, the most prominent city on the coast of Louisiana would be New Orleans. Sensing the power of Mama Odie, or simply seeing the effect this city was having on America and the world, being that it was a very, very powerful trading port, and it was there was a lot of jazz and music and stuff that would change the world going forward happening there at the time. It seems like it would be more than enough to draw her in. On her visit, she once again takes on her alias of Tia Dama, and she meets a man with the last name Facilier that she falls in love with. Given the time period and setting, he very well could have been a recently freed slave. Um, we'll call him John. It didn't matter to her who John was or anything about him, because, to be honest, we don't know who this guy is. He was more or less a nobody. Just like Davy Jones, she loved him. That was all that mattered to her. She loved John so deeply that she decides to stay. I know what you're thinking. To stay loyal or in one place for long is not her nature, as she said, but she was as unpredictable as the sea, meaning we could never predict what she would do. She could do whatever she wanted for no reason at all because she was unpredictable. Besides, the only reason she decides to stay is to have a child. This child would be someone else she could pass on her power and knowledge to, and what better to do it than in what was rapidly becoming one of the most powerful countries on the planet. Because even gods die in some way, in this universe. Even gods someday lose their power, as I said, in this universe. But that's once again another theory for another day. The point is, she wanted to have a son or daughter to pass on her extensive knowledge of magic to, good or bad. So, she stayed long enough to have a child, and after that, I think she raised Facilier. She taught him magic, not just voodoo practices and communicating with the underworld, which would be considered evil magic. She taught him good magic, too. She taught him how to channel the powers that he gained from her. She gave him all her artifacts and collection, and he collected some himself. And others could have been transported to him from the underworld by Hades or Chernobog himself, the source of his... Friends on the other side. And from this line... I'm a royal myself on my mother's side. We can assume that he knew her true identity. I mean, I would call a god the highest form of royalty. After this, we can assume Tiadama left. She abandoned her love, possibly husband, and son. After all, she was unpredictable as the sea itself. Obviously, in the end, Facilier fell to the dark, becoming the iconic villain we know today. He may have been part god, but his father's blood was still inside him, making him a mortal man, powerful or not. His mother wasn't a hero, but not a villain either. She was out for herself above all else, and she had Facilier to make sure her power lived on. The truth is, Tia Delma could have produced someone good or bad. She knew the extent of magic all across the spectrum. It didn't matter what she did. There's good and bad in all of us. She understood magic and knew things about the inner workings of her universe beyond any mortal person there. I have no doubt she warned her son about the dangers of the darkest of magic, that he shouldn't interact with things he could never fully understand. Yet he did reach into the darkest corners of magic, 
He made deals with some of the most dangerous, evil, powerful beings in his universe, ultimately ending in his downfall. His mother may have been a god, an expert wielder of magic, but he was not. Every villain wants power. He delved into things he didn't understand to gain power he could never have. If only he had known that mother knows best. And that's going to do it for our first episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please go rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and rate on Spotify. I'll be back next time with more nerdy Disney content for your listening pleasure. See you next time to infinity and beyond. Thank you.